man. Tonight, I'm going to start in Mark, the 11th chapter, and I'm going to have some other scripture references as well. But I want to talk to you tonight about dealing with doubt. Dealing with doubt. Doubt is something that we all encounter and we all deal with at different points in our lives, and more specifically, in our walk with the Lord. How many here tonight would be willing to raise your hand and say, Preacher, I have dealt with doubt before? Yeah, if you ain't raising your hand, <clears throat> you're, you, you need to come to the altar tonight. Amen. I'm just telling you, we all deal with doubt, right? We deal with it, and, and doubt is not uncommon not uncommon. Now, we might not always like to admit it, but it is real. And the key to dealing with doubt is to understand what it is, understand how it works. Can you say amen? I'm reading from Mark chapter 11 and verse number 20 tonight. Bible says, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. I'm going to stop right there. Now, when Jesus tells his disciples here to have faith in God, what he's really saying to them is have the faith of God, okay? Or have the God kind of faith. One thing that we've got to understand about faith is that the faith that we know and that we have is actually not ours. Doesn't belong to us per se. It's God's faith. He just loans it to you and me. That's why Paul told the Romans, God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. Faith was given to us. It was placed inside of us by God. It was God's faith that was placed inside of us. So what we think of as our faith, quote unquote, is actually not our faith. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. It's the faith of God. Now, that's important because a lot of us tend to, as we live our life and life comes at us pretty quickly, we tend to get down on our faith. We'll often say things like, well, you know, pastor, my faith is, it's just really low right now, or my faith just isn't where it needs to be. And, and we've got to realize that if we have any faith at all, that faith is God's faith. It didn't come from us. So be careful about running down or speaking negatively about the faith on the inside of you because it doesn't belong to you. And so Jesus tells us to have faith he says in verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. I want you to underline that. I want you to, to circle that. I want you to, to, to highlight that and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, this is a very powerful and direct statement. Jesus is saying, if you don't doubt in your heart, but rather believe what comes out of your mouth, you can have whatsoever you say. 
So what does faith and doubt and and speaking and, and believing all have to do with one another? Well, doubt actually ends up being the opposite of faith. Doubt is a byproduct of fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. Tell you something I know about doubt. Doubt will short circuit your faith. You ever, you ever been out trimming the hedges? I, I've done this before. I, I, at one point in my life, I, I, I don't know what happened. I went through a stage where I, I tried to buy all electric, you know, like yard, yard tools, you know. And I bought an electric weed eater and that lasted about 30 minutes and I threw it away. Yeah, because you can't, you can't trim head, no grass with, a, with an electric weed eater. You got to have a gas weed. You got to have some, you got to have some gumption on that thing, right? And I, I had an electric hedge trimmer and I had it all hooked up with the big, you know, 27 and a half foot extension cord or whatever it was. It was massive and I'm dragging that thing around and I'm trimming the bushes and, and I'm, I'm going to town on it. And I, I guess I got carried away because I ended up cutting my extension cord in half. And I felt it. I, I felt it. Like I felt it, and I heard it. And then the trimmer didn't work no more. And 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 so I had cut the extension cord. Now I don't know a lot about electrical stuff and electrical engineering, but I do know that if you cut your extension cord, you're done. You're gonna lose power. But the truth is, you. The truth is, you don't have to cut the whole thing to lose power. Because that extension cord is made up of two sets of copper wires. It's got a little thin piece in the middle to separate the two so that they don't touch. And because electricity runs on a circuit, all you really have to do is cut one of those copper wires and the electricity can't make it back and you lose power. You, you don't have to cut the whole thing, you just have to cut one part. In fact, that's what a light switch does, right? Yeah, that's what a light switch does. That electric current is always passing through the wire. It's always passing through there, but the switch will either complete the connection or it will prevent the connection, depending on whether I'm turning it on or I'm turning it off, right? That's how it works. And doubt does the same thing to our faith. Faith, which naturally comes from God, faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is in us. God has dealt it to us. God is the source of that current that's running through. No doubt will, but, but doubt will come along and short circuit our faith. Doubt will restrict the flow of faith in our lives and it can prohibit us from receiving or realizing the power that God desires for you and I to have. Now, I'm going to go over to James chapter 1 for those of you that are following along. And here in James 1, the apostle James is telling and writing to believers how to pray for wisdom. Now, I got to tell you, wisdom is just the example that James is using in this context. But the truth of the matter is, you could take the word wisdom here and you can plug in other words. You could plug in the words healing. You could plug in the word help. You could plug in favor or protection, right? Because you receive from God the same in all that you do, right? You don't receive one kind of faith for healing and another kind of faith for, for protection and another kind of faith for blessing and another kind of faith for help. No, faith is faith. 
it all works the same. There isn't, there, there, there's not one faith for everything you got going on. There's not a bunch of different faiths. Paul said there's one faith. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? Yeah. So James here in James 1 and verse 5, if, if any of you lack wisdom, again, or healing or favor or protection or whatever, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberal, liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And all the ladies said amen. All right. Now let's explain what James is talking about here. The person that wavers is not necessarily thinking wrong or believing wrong all of the time. No, part of the time they've got it right. And yet along the way they become discouraged and they quit. And you don't have to quit for very long to disrupt the flow of faith in your life. A lot of people lack faith to receive from God because our adversary lures them into doubt and brings them to a double-minded state. And if you have a double mind, then the word says you're unstable. So doubt or wavering leads to disruption of the flow of faith that God has given to you, which then leads to a double mind and the inability to receive anything from the Lord. So how do we avoid doubt? How do we avoid that, that interruption, that disconnection? Well, the answer is simply this. You don't back down from the prayer of faith. You don't back down from the prayer of faith. When you pray something and when you ask in faith, don't back down from that. Don't allow yourself to start wondering, well, did, did God hear my prayer or, uh, you know, I hope things work out. I, I hope God heals me. I hope God does the work. No, no. When you begin to do that, that, that that's doubt. That's, that's doubt creeping in. And if you allow that to persist, it'll interrupt the prayer of faith. What's the prayer of faith, Brother Sizemore? It's a prayer that you pray that when you finish in your heart, you believe that you have the answer. Mm. You don't feel the answer necessarily. You can't see the answer necessarily. You may not even know where it's going to come from. But in your heart, you know that God has heard your prayer. That his promises are true and you believe that you have the answer whether you see it, feel it, can manifest it, can touch it or not, right? That's the prayer of faith. And even though you don't see it immediately, you can begin to thank God in faith for the answer. Now your position has now changed. Instead of trying to get something, you believe that you now have something when you stand on that prayer of faith. You're not gonna, you're not gonna let go of that. I, I, I don't see it yet. I can't touch it yet. It's not made manifest yet, but I believe that I have it by faith. Faith is how we receive from God. Anything that we have from God, we have by faith. Amen? But what happens is people will waver. 
will waver back and forth. We'll start to wonder if we, if we have it or not, if we, really, if we really heard what we thought we heard, or if we really felt what we thought we felt. We, we begin to doubt that. And I got to tell you tonight, it, it doesn't do any good to pray the prayer of faith and then to let doubt come along and stop the flow of that faith. But it happens, doesn't it? It's a real thing. We really do deal with doubt. Doubt is a real thing. So the question for you and I becomes, if doubt is going to be present, if doubt is going to be a reality and a real thing that we deal with, how do we handle that? How do we handle it? What can we do about it? Is there a way to deal with doubt? Well, in order to properly deal with doubt, first you have to understand the process of doubt. Now, I'm going to go back to Mark chapter 11 here in verse 23. Jesus talked about doubt being in your heart, right? He talked about doubt being in your heart. But I got to tell you, doubt doesn't start in the heart. That's where it ends up, but that's not where it starts. That's where it'll be if you don't deal with it, but that isn't where it begins. Doubt starts in your mind. It starts in your mind. That's why James associated doubt with double-mindedness, right? Double-mindedness, because doubt always starts in the mind. Doubt, it's like a seed that is planted in your mind by an outside source. Our adversary, the devil, is, is the one who wants to bring people to doubt. How do I know that? Because that's how he's operated since the beginning of time. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 3. What did Satan use to cause Adam and Eve to fall? Doubt. He caused them to doubt what God had said. He caused them to doubt the word of God. He told them, he says, hath God really said? What was he doing? He's planting the seed of doubt in their mind. He's trying to get them to doubt the word of the Lord. I heard a preacher say one time uh, that, that the original mark of the beast was a question mark. Yeah. When you doubt what God said, when I put a question mark on every promise that God promised, right? When I begin to waver in my mind, it, it, it's, and, and that's the same thing that the devil tries to do with you and me. He wants us to doubt what God said. He wants us to doubt the word of the Lord in our life. And if he can get us to question God's word or question God's promise, then that doubt, he knows, will cut off the flow of faith and will never receive what God has for us to receive. But it always starts with that seed of doubt in my mind. Now, it's up to you and me as to whether or not we're going to let that doubt take root. Whether or not we're going to let that doubt, that seed of doubt grow or whether we're going to cast it out or throw it out. That's why it's important to understand that doubt is a process. Because that those that don't understand that, the moment that they have a thought of doubt come to their mind, they think, well, that's it. I've lost. I've messed up. I don't know that I, I, don't know that I believe. The Bible says I'm not supposed to doubt. No, the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you cannot doubt anywhere. Doesn't say that. Thomas doubted. They even called him Doubting Thomas. 
I mean, it's pretty bad if that's in your name, right? You're doubting Thomas, and yet Thomas is still a disciple. He doesn't get thrown out of the club because he had doubt. He's still a disciple. John the Baptist doubted, right? Is this the real, is this the one? Is Jesus, go ask him, is he the one? And he doubted in his mind, and yet Jesus still calls him the greatest prophet who ever ever lived. Peter doubted to the point of denying Christ three times, and yet he still preached on the day of Pentecost. He still got the keys to the kingdom. So having doubt in your mind is not a sin. Jesus simply said you can't doubt in your heart. Can't doubt in your heart. See, the key is in understanding that doubt is a process. And you can't let it go from your head to your heart. Because if it's just in your head, then I can deal with that. But once it gets to my heart, then that's going to stop everything. How do I deal with that doubt in my mind? Well, for starters, you can't just ignore it. You can't. When doubt tries to creep in, you you can't just pass it off or sweep it under the rug. No, because it isn't just going to go away. You need to learn to combat that doubt. You need to answer those doubts. How do I do that? You do it with none other than the sword of the Spirit. You do it none other than with the Word of God. That's why we need to be prepared for whatever you're asking God to do for you, whatever you're going to ask of God, you need to be prepared with a portion of the Word of God that will give you the answer. So when you're hit with that doubt, then you'll have something to to push back on. You'll have something to fight back with. You'll have something to say that will drive the doubt away. We need to learn to arm ourselves with the word of God so that we can combat the fiery darts of the wicked. Yeah. Matthew chapter 4, the famous passage where Jesus is tempted of Satan. He was tempted in the same ways that you and I are tempted today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Now, when you read this story, I want you to notice how Satan talks to Jesus. I'm in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 3. Bible says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if, somebody say if. Notice that word, it's going to be repetitive. If thou be the son of God, command these stones be turned into bread. Later, A second time in verse 6, if, everybody say if, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down. He comes a third time in verse number 9, all of these things I will give to thee if, somebody say if, if thou will fall down and worship me. Now I want you to notice how Satan is talking to Jesus here. He's using the word if. He's trying to create doubt in Jesus' mind. He's trying to cause Jesus to ask himself, well, what if I'm not the Son of God? Well, what if all these things aren't mine to begin with? I mean, what if they really do belong? What if? What what if? What if? What, 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 What if? Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus was tempted of the devil. 
I know that's hard for us to really get our mind around because we think that Jesus, you know, we, we think of Jesus as being perfect and sinless, and he certainly was, but he was also tempted. And that means that it was possible for him to fail and mess up. That means it was possible for him to give in to that temptation. It was possible. Otherwise, what's the use in tempting someone who doesn't have the ability to fail or fall? Yeah. And so Satan places these thoughts into Jesus' mind, and he's hoping that these seeds of doubt will take root, and these thoughts of doubt are, are there long enough. Maybe they'll be there long enough for Jesus to, to, to come back with some kind of response, but, but I want you to notice how Jesus responds to those seeds of doubt being placed in his mind by the enemy. We all know it. How did he respond? It is written. He combats the doubt with the word of God. He throws out the doubt by using the word of God. When Satan comes to me with thoughts of harm, with thoughts of, of accident, with thoughts of evil toward me or my family, I need to have enough word inside of me that I can quote the word back to him. And say it is written. Bible says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It does not say ignore the devil and he'll flee from you. We're trying to ignore the devil. We're trying to act like he doesn't exist. We're trying to, we're not going to pay attention. Maybe if we just ignore him, he'll stop. No, that's not the way it works. He's relentless. He will not stop. He will not give up until that seed of doubt manifests in your life. And so you have to take action on it. You've got to have a weapon. You've got to have the word of God. He's not going to stop. You need to resist. You need to push back on those thoughts. You need to push back on those feelings. You need to push back on that doubt. You need to do something about it and answer them with God's word. Once doubt takes root in your mind, once doubt gets in your mind, where does it go from there? Well, we know it starts in your mind and we know it ends up in your heart, but where does it go in between? Doubt, where does it go? It starts in my mind, it ends up in my heart, and there is a space in between that the doubt will go. The doubt, once it takes root in your mind, it will always move to your mouth. The hole between your mind and your heart. Yeah. And that hole is there because that's, that's how it leaks out. Right? That's, that's what happens. Just because doubt comes to your mind doesn't mean that you have to accept it. And yet when that doubt begins to come out your mouth and you speak it, you better be careful because you're giving life to it. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4 tells us the story of the Shunammite woman. This woman was a sweet lady. She was by all accounts a nice woman. She built a room onto her house for the man of God, Elisha, to use when he passed through the area. She was kingdom minded, right? She was, she was mission minded. She, she was willing to do what she needed to do to see that the kingdom of God and the gospel and all of that got, got, got what, where it needed to go. And apparently Elisha passed through there a lot and, and she perceived him to be a great man of God. So she provided him a, a place to stay. 
But prophet Elisha wanted to thank this woman. And so he asked her what she wanted. She couldn't come up with anything. So Elisha's servant said, I know what she really wants. She wants a child. She she doesn't have a child. Her husband is old. So Elisha said, all right, well then by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And that's what happened. She had a son. Bible tells us that this son grew up. And one day while he was outside, the Bible says he went to his father and he said, dad, my head, my head. My head hurts. My, my head is, is bothering me. Now, some believe that he was having some kind of a brain aneurysm. Others believe that it was possibly a, a heat stroke or, or something. We don't know. But they, they took him to his mother. And the Bible says that he died, That's that, that promised son, died in his mother's arms. This young boy who was a gift from God to this woman dies. She takes him in. She lays him on the bed of the prophet. Take him to the prophet's room. Lay him down on the bed of the prophet. Goes to her husband. Requests to go to Elisha. I need you to go get Elisha. The husband says, you know, well, you know, why do you want to go today? It, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not the new moon. It's, it's not. It's a typical husband response, by the way, isn't it? Do we have to do this today? Right? We got to go today. It's not, even the, it's not even the new moon, right? I mean, my, my show, I, I can't and I won't and I've got projects and the to-do list. That sounds like a typical husband answer, doesn't it? The woman responds by, fine, it shall be well. It shall be well. In the Hebrew, the word she uses here is shalom, which actually means peace be unto you. She's kind to her husband. Praise God. But this woman refuses to say anything negative. Well, I got to tell you, nothing will kill your faith faster than negative speech. And she refuses to say anything negative. So she leaves. She said, fine, you're not going to do it. I'll go get Elisha myself. And when she gets to Mount Carmel, where Elisha is, he sees her coming. He sends his servant down to greet her and he instructs his servant to ask her three questions. The first question was, is it well with you? Are you okay? Number two, is it well with your husband? Is he okay? And number three, is it well with your child? Is your child okay? And her answer to all three of these questions is, it is well. Now hang on just a second. Because we know good and well that all is not well. Her, her promised child is back at the house and he's dead. And she is grieved in her heart. Things are not okay. But once again, as she did with her husband, she refuses to say anything negative about her situation. She refused to speak the words of defeat. Now there's significance here. This woman refused to take her circumstance as the final word. She said, it ain't over. She could have said, he's not breathing, he's dead, that's it, let's call the funeral home, but no. When that seed of doubt was planted by the enemy, this woman refused to allow those thoughts to go from her head to her mouth. She wouldn't let the doubt go from here out of her mouth. No, this woman's mind and emotions had to be screaming out in anguish. I can't even imagine, but she did not allow a single word of that to come out of her mouth. 
I think sometimes we need to be mindful of the things that come out of our mouth. Mm. Because if doubt can transition from my mind to my mouth, then I'm going to be in danger of never experiencing great faith in my life. When doubt runs from my mind to my mouth and I actually speak it out, that doubt, then it gives it life. It gives it life. Doubt goes from being a thought to being a word, and once that word is manifested, then that doubt makes its way down, down into my heart, down into my heart. Because words create worlds. Yeah, your words create worlds. Yeah, the power of death and life is in the tongue. You're speaking death or you're speaking life. You're speaking death or you're, spe- you're speaking positive or you're speaking negative. You're speaking resurrection or you're speaking death. You're, you're speaking, you're speak whatever it is that comes out of your mouth. And when that doubt goes from my mind into my mouth and I let it get out of my mouth, that's when it comes down into my heart and we begin to believe it. And we begin to embrace it. And once we believe it, then the prayer of faith, hear me, then the prayer of faith is rendered of none effect. A Shunammite woman eventually told Elisha, you know what? My soul is vexed within me. Your, Your soul, you know, is made up of your thoughts and your emotions. Her thoughts and her emotions were vexed. And where did we say that doubt starts? It starts in mind. It starts in your emotions. It starts in your your soul. doubt, Doubt had caused her thinking to become contaminated. And because the mind and the emotions are so closely related, her emotions were all messed up too. Why? Because of doubt. Because of doubt. When you begin to have negative thoughts, when you begin to have down thoughts, your your emotions will go there with you. And a lot of people over the years have learned to let their mouths follow their emotions. But you can't do that because your emotions are being deceived and they're being manipulated, right? They're being deceived and manipulated by your mind and your mind is being contaminated by the seed of doubt. Don't let your mouth give life to doubt. The Shunammite woman only said positive things. Even though there was doubt in her mind, she did not allow that doubt to go from her head to her mouth. And if Satan can let, can get doubt to go from your mind to your mouth, and if he can get your mouth to give life to that doubt, then it will fall into your heart. And according to Jesus in Mark 11 and 23, if you doubt in your heart, I'm circling back to the text now, if you doubt in your heart, then you will not receive from God. Matthew chapter 14, I'm jumping back over here now to Matthew 14 and 26. This is the account of when the disciples were out on the sea and 
Bible says, and when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, is it a spirit? And they cried for fear. Notice they were afraid. Their emotions were beginning to set in, right? They, they had doubt in their mind because of the great storm, and now that, 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 that doubt gave way to their emotions, was causing them to be fearful of something that they had no reason to be afraid of. Bible says in verse 27, and straightway Jesus spoke to them saying, hey, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. This is getting ready to be a miracle moment. This is getting ready to be a wow moment. This is getting ready to be, Peter's about to do something that nobody else but Jesus has ever done. And he gets down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. Now I want you to notice, Peter got up enough courage to get off the boat and to step out on the water. What caused him to do that? The Word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word that Jesus spoke to him, it, it brought on enough faith that Peter was willing to get out of the boat and he was willing to take a step. It gave him the courage and the faith to do that. But the moment that Peter stopped focusing on what God said, the minute that Peter took his focus off of the word of God, off of what Jesus was saying, he began to sink. The moment that Peter paid more attention to his surroundings, the more he began to doubt and he sank and he cried saying, Lord, save me. And verse 31, and immediately, somebody say immediately. Oh, thank, thank the Lord for his immediate hand. Yeah. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt, Peter? What caused you to doubt? Jesus is telling Peter here, it all comes back to faith and doubt. It all comes back to faith and doubt. He's not rebuking Peter. He was trying to get Peter to see that faith allows you to overcome, but doubt will short circuit your faith every single time. Faith will allow you to step out of the boat. Faith will allow you to do the miraculous. Faith will allow you to step out and do what you did not think you can do. It will cause you to accomplish what you did not think you could accomplish. Faith will allow you to be bold. Faith will allow you to do the unprecedented. But doubt will sink you every single time. Jesus said, oh, thee of little faith. Peter, your faith, it, it, it went from being great 
to being small in just a matter of a few, it don't take very many steps to go from hero to zero. Yeah, you gotta understand, faith got little when doubt was big. Yeah? Faith and doubt, ladies and gentlemen, cannot coexist. You either have faith or you have doubt. Don't be a doubter. Don't, don't, be, don't be Thomas. Don't, don't be Peter in this situation. Don't let the seeds of doubt take root in your mind. No, we need to learn how to combat that doubt. We need to learn how to push back on that doubt. It's okay to have the thoughts of doubt, but God, don't let those thoughts migrate to my mouth. Don't let my mouth speak it out. Don't let my mouth slip it out. Don't let my mouth give life to those words. And God, for please, whatever you do, don't let it go to my heart. Because if it's in my mind, then I can push back on it. And even if it comes out of my mouth, I can repent for it and I can get back in your good graces and receive from you. But God help me if that doubt makes its way into my heart. Because if it makes its way into my heart, then I cannot receive from God. Oh, Lord, help me tonight. Mm. Don't let me doubt God in my heart. I want to receive from you, Jesus. I, I want everything that you have for me. I, I, I want to receive the blessings. I, I want to receive what, what you've got. I want the anointings and the, and the blessings. I, I want the stuff, God, that you have for me, but, I, but I, I want to step in to the blessing like Pastor preached about. I, I want to be ready when you call me, God. When you call me out of the boat, I want to have enough faith to step out. When you call me to the other side, I want to go to the other side. Mm. But in order for that to happen, my faith must be greater than my doubt. God, help me to get that aligned properly. God, help me to push back on the enemy that would cause me to, to put a question mark where you were going to put a period. Help me, to, help, me to, help me to align myself with your word and let me hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me hide your word in my heart that, my, that it might be ready. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces asunder. It'll get down to the meat and the heart of the matter. It will divide the intentions of a man's heart. That's what the word of God does. Lord, I want your word in my heart. I don't want doubt in my heart. Lord, help us to keep our affections on things above. Help me to keep my focus, God, on you, not on everything that's going on around me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I'm not gonna let the winds cause doubt. I'm not going to let the waves cause me to question what God has said. No, I'm, no, I'm going to hold on to this word. I'm going to hold on to the promises. I'm going to keep pursuing the promises of God for my life. Yeah. God, help us to learn how to properly deal with doubt. Would you stand with me tonight?
I know it's a Wednesday night, but I feel compelled tonight that there might be somebody here who is wrestling with doubt. You're wrestling with the what ifs. You're wrestling with the fear that has been put in your mind and you've allowed it, you've allowed it to travel from here to here. And you're afraid that it's going to get in your heart and God, I don't want that. Today, if you're, tonight, if you're here and you've had some doubts in your mind, don't worry, you're not going to be cast out. You're not going to be cast aside. There's nothing wrong with, with having those thoughts, but you've got to learn how to combat them. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And of whom shall I be afraid? You need to learn to let the word of God come out of your mouth. Let the word of God push back on the doubt and on the fear. And I wonder if you're here today and you're wrestling with fear in your mind or you've even let fear come out of your, or doubt come out of your mouth. I wonder if you would just bow your head and close your eyes with me right now. And I'm going to invite you to this altar tonight as we get ready to sing. Because God wants to do something in your mind. He wants to do something in your heart. He wants to deliver you from the doubt that is keeping you out. And God's going to do it for you if you'll take that step of faith. Come on, who will step out of the boat tonight? Who will have enough faith to step out of the aisle and step out of the boat and say, God, do with me what you will. God, I don't want to wrestle anymore. God, I don't want to doubt you anymore. I want to embrace your word. I want to embrace your promises. Come on, who will come today? Come on, lift your hands, everybody that can. Thank you, Jesus. God, we need your help tonight. We're trying to deal with this doubt. I'm trying to deal with these thoughts and these feelings. And God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I bow my knee to you right now. God, I confess. God, I confess that it's been hard. I confess that it's been difficult. I confess, God, that, that I can't do it on my own. I need you. Oh, come on, push back on that couch. God's got a word for you. God's got a plan for you.